What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the March 3rd edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco. You can call me John. We're all friends here. It's completely cool. We're on a first name basis. Also on a first name basis, you know him as the king of the courtside. He is the courtside king, but his first name is Joey. What's up, buddy? Doing well, sir. I'm glad we're almost at the end of the week. It has been a long one. A little bit lighter in terms of gaming and esports news, but I feel like worldwide news, there's just so much going on right now. And at work, it's been busy. I know your work has been busy as well. So a weekend for us is much needed ahead. Uh, and Joey, not only is a weekend needed next week, it's a two-day work week for me. So Ooh. little finger guns there. Uh, Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. That is at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. That's our social media for the show. You want to keep up to date with everything going on in the world of gaming and esports? That's where you need to go. But if you want extra credit points, make sure you follow your favorite hosts as well. Follow Joey at Courtside King. Myself at Fiasco. If you're watching here live on Twitch, what's up? Welcome. Twitch is where it happens. It's great. You can see those handles right below those mug shots you're currently staring at. If you're listening on the podcast version of the show later on, completely cool too. We'll have those in the show notes for you below. And Nation, obviously, again, Twitch is where the best place to have the level up experience is. Uh, that's where it's at. That's where all the fun happens. You can get involved in chat. You can ask questions. You can be involved in the discussion. But have no fear. We understand everyone is busy. People have lives outside of podcasts. It doesn't hurt our feelings that much, but it's okay. We have a podcast version of the show for you as well. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else. You can find an RSS feed. Just look up the Level Up podcast, and we are there for you. If you are listening to the podcast version, please do leave us a review and ratings if supported by your podcatcher of choice, as those do come directly back to us, and we can make the show better for you, our viewers and listeners. Uh, let's see here. Awkward transition. Patreon.com slash OTN. You want to be a super fan? Check out Patreon.com slash OTN. Check out the tiers. Check out how you can buy your way into our hearts. It's a complete joke. You don't have to do this. <laughs> Uh, but yes, if you want to take your fandom to the next level, check out patreon.com slash OTN. All right, Joey, it is our first show of the month of March. Uh, you and I both know the month of March as March Madness. We're both big college basketball fans, but that doesn't mean the world of gaming and esports stops. In fact, there's a ton of topics we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Joey? Oh, yeah. Good question, John. Let me see what I just posted over here on Discord. Um, we are talking crossplay, possibly coming to FIFA. Some rumors about that now coming out. Game Pass possibly headed to Steam, or at least Gabe Newell would like it to be. We're talking Pokemon Scarlet Violet, which was announced on Sunday. A Twisted Metal TV series, as well as a Gears of War movie in the works, and a few more details on both of those. Gran Turismo 7 launches tomorrow alongside Triangle Strategy, and much more to hit on today's show absolutely nation if you are joining us here on twitch just real quick uh last week joey and i uh talked a little bit about the unfortunate situation going on in the world uh, at this moment with the russian invasion of the ukraine currently going on uh obviously current events uh overshadow uh you know gaming east the world of esports uh that's something that is uh unfortunately going to be um, over the heads of humanity for a while uh, as war is is, wage, is being waged in Europe. Um, 
obviously, uh, you know, everyone here at OTN, we support Ukraine in their efforts to defend their country, their sovereign country from the unprovoked uh, and unjust war from Russia. Um, on the bottom of our screen, you'll see a ticker going by. Uh, these are nonprofit organizations uh, that are verified, that are giving relief directly to the Ukrainian people, uh, whether it's the refugees of over one million refugees that have made their way out of Western Ukraine to uh, avoid the Russian invasion. Um, you know, please, if 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 you want to check out those websites, they're uh, scrolling at the bottom. If you have uh, the means to donate, support, or even share this information with anybody else who may uh, do that, please, by all means, uh, take those links, uh, share them with your family and friends. Uh, on social media, the hashtag StandWithUkraine is being used. Uh, definitely check that out as well for other opportunities to find ways to support the people of Ukraine during this horrific time of human history. Joey, uh, we're going to go ahead and transition now. We're going to uh, try to provide a break from uh, the, the current events, from what's going on in the world. We're, we're here to provide a momentary uh, a blanket, if you will, uh, so we can talk about something we all enjoy. Of course, that is the gaming and esports news. Uh, but first, we need to talk about our drink of choice. Uh, and uh, Joey, I, I know I made a joke earlier today that I, I needed some tequila uh, after after my day today. I'm not having tequila, but I am curious. What are you drinking for today's episode? Uh, not alcohol either, but I'm drinking mm. a key lime flavored LaCroix. Or as I call it, LaCroix. LaCroix. <laughs> uh, Joey, I don't know if you've seen the commercials for this. But I, I finally found one in store. I picked it up. And I've always wanted to know what this tastes like. So, so this is a three-fourths of the way drink and bottle of Coca-Cola Starlight Limited Edition. I'm hoping you didn't buy it that way, right? No, I didn't buy it this okay. way. Okay. No. <laughs> I was sipping it. This is space-flavored. Oh. Space-flavored. Uh, Joey, space feels, ta apparently tastes like, like fluffy vanilla is what it really comes down to. Does it come uh, with a hint of Elon Musk as well? It, it, it comes with a hint of, hold on, so let's, let's go. Honestly, it tastes like cherry and vanilla Coke mixed together, if, I, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. It does have a slight weird aftertaste, uh, which is why when that's finished, I have my Mountain Dew ready to go. So, Joey, we have our beverages. We have our topics. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's get into gaming and eSports news. Let's go. Absolutely. Like I said at the top, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a smaller show. The last two weeks have been pretty long and full of tons and tons of news. This week, we're a little bit lighter on the news as things are starting to die down a little bit after the massive release of Elden Ring last week. But there are some good things to talk about still, so we will be hitting on all those. Uh, John started with this one at the top of the show, but to hit back on the Ukrainian-Russian conflict going on, uh, along with a number of other video games being pulled physically and digitally, FIFA is one of the bigger ones to now be impacted. EA has made the decision to pull Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from pretty much all of their sport games. I know NHL is one of them. FIFA obviously being the biggest sport game in the world, that one was one of them. So a number of them, as we continue to see more and more publishers, more and more game developers pick up uh, and really stop sales or halt sales completely over in Russia and Belarus. Uh, we're going to see more and more of this as we go. Now, I, I know some people out there might be thinking, how does this support Ukraine? How does this, you know affect you know russian gamers out there um while it may not have a direct impact on on the current invasion of ukraine 
what it does is it, it makes the population of Russia upset. Um, it, it it causes them to realize what's really going on uh, and get under that blanket of propaganda that the Russian government is currently force feeding their population and kind of see that the entire world is against what their president has decided to do. Um, so small things like this may help people understand that in the outside world, outside of Russia, uh, it's not as exactly as what their president is saying is happening. It's not a, a relief effort in Ukraine that Russia is doing. It's not a humanitarian war uh, like, the, like he constantly keeps saying. Uh, it's small things like this. It, it, it does build up. It does add up to help people realize what's actually happening. Absolutely. That and the economic impacts. Like Correct. you guys, if you look at the economy over there, it is not doing well. And a lot of that is because uh, not necessarily just game developers, but so many different companies pulling stuff off the shelves over there, pulling support out of Russia in general. So that's something you're going to continue to see in the video game industry is going to be no different. You're going to see more and more of this as we go. Switching over to more recent news here and a little bit that's going to affect you outside of Russia. Crossplay is coming to FIFA 23. This is a very big deal. Uh, a big deal because it's taken EA way too long to implement it. Heading into FIFA 23, this one coming from, I believe, Tom Henderson as the source. Crossplay is eventually going to make its way to FIFA 23. Uh, this is one of the features that people have been asking for for a long time. One of many features, though, John. I mean, a lot of us who were on Xbox One or PS4 wanted the ability to have the game upgraded to the new systems. It was like pulling teeth with EA to get that done. It's still an issue over there with 2K as well. Uh, they, sports games, it feel like they want to sell them both copies on both different systems. Now you're starting to at least make that move forward. There's cross-play enabled, cross-backwards compatibility enabled. We're making moves forward, but there's still so, so much room to grow. Uh, I do like the fact this is a feature that EA is finally implementing into the game. But again, it, I'm not going to say it's uh, too little too late, but it feels like there's still a very, very long way to go as well. See, the best part with anything EA does is, is they, they tend to keep their receipts on how long it takes them to figure this stuff out. Uh, the 23rd annual edition of FIFA is how long it took for crossplay. That is 23 years. That is older than some of our listeners out there. Uh, let that sink in. EA, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's one of those things. And I mean, we've worked with some tournament organizers with FIFA, Panicking Pat, a good friend of the show. Uh, he's done a lot of FIFA, and this is a feature he's asked for for years. Running FIFA tournaments, you have to say, okay, I'm going to do an Xbox tournament, a PC tournament, a PlayStation tournament. You can't just do an altogether tournament because crossplay was not in the game before. Now, instead of running two to three different tournaments, you can say, hey, we're going to have a FIFA 23 tournament. That can include everyone, pretty much. Uh, Nintendo Switch may be even included. Uh, I know their copies are slightly different than the rest of them. But overall, I think this is a good direction to move forward. And I'm glad EA is finally taking the steps to do it. You know what? I'm going to give MLB the show credit for this. I'm going to give Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball is having so much bad PR at the moment with the lockout. I, I need to shine some light on, on Major League Baseball for forcing MLB the show to be on Xbox to, to prove cross-play is something gamers want. Uh, I truly do believe that had a major impact on EA with this decision with FIFA. Yeah, I think that, the fact you're seeing more competitors, not that eFootball is one, but that <laughs> one going free to play. I mean, you have goals, that other game coming out. I think there's one more that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but we're seeing more and more games get pushed into that soccer football genre. 
Mario Strikers, that one won't be cross-play, but it will be popular. Uh, now this kind of gives the Switch another option to play with friends outside of the Switch, which Strikers will not do. So I think it's a smart move by EA. Again, we can say it 100 times, it does come a little bit later. Um, but John, yeah, I think that's another good point. And I think MLB standing up in that sense might be what we see eventually other leagues stand up as well. FIFA, that relationship's already kind of tarnished there with EA. But if you look at the NFL, you look at the NBA, maybe we eventually start to see them push forward. NBA 2K being cross-play, uh, Madden being cross-play, as those leagues maybe put some pressure like the MLB did as well. Couple acquisitions this week. John's favorite company, Tencent, is once again in the news. They've acquired 1C Entertainment based in Poland. I really don't know too much about 1C Entertainment, guys. There's like 100 games under them. Uh, I don't know if they're all publishing licenses or if they have development licenses involved as well. Uh, Men of War 2 is one listed here. Lovescraft, Untold Stories 2, Hyperviolent, Terrain, Horror Story, Hallow Seed. I don't even know what half these games are. Um, but again, it's Tencent making moves. And I think the biggest thing is now they're pulling in another publisher that's based in Europe. So Tencent being based in Asia, being based in China. We've seen them really make acquisitions across the world in Chinese companies. They're trying to get into Japanese companies. That one's not going too well as of yet, but they're still trying. They're picking up a bunch of European companies. Over in North America, they have stakes in Riot Games, which is giant with League of Legends and Valorant. Uh, up in like, I think it's like Finland, maybe, uh, where Clash of Clans is, or Sweden, somewhere up in that area. Uh, the maker of Clash of Clans, Supercell, is owned by Tencent. They have a majority stake in, I think, Epic Games as well. They had a big stake in Activision before that acquisition. Tencent is everywhere. So big or small, regardless of publisher or developer, this is a big move for them as they continue to expand their video game empire. Joey, I don't know why Tencent's my favorite company. I, I don't even own stock in them or anything, Joey. <laughs> I mean, it's just fascinating. It feels like every single week we're talking about Tencent. It's almost become like a Tencent propaganda show in one way or another because they're always in the freaking news. Uh, Microsoft gets criticized for their big acquisitions like Activision, Sony as well for Bungie, not because of size, but because people saying, hey, is this going to be worth it? Tencent, meanwhile, just buys up 10 to 20 other companies and no one really even bats an eye. Fascinating. Propaganda. <laughs> Uh, Netflix. So on top of having great shows like Cobra Kai, they're also diving more and more into video games. This one has them set to acquire Next Games for 65 million euros on the market here. Previously worked together on a Stranger Things Puzzle Tales game. I believe that's on mobile devices. I've never played it, um, but supposedly it was pretty popular and popular enough that Netflix wanted to make a move and tie the knot there. So they will be acquiring Next Games as well. I mean, it makes sense. That's the reason why everyone's Netflix uh, subscription went up again. Again, we, we, we paid for this merger. Just We just realized that. And I have a feeling those subscriptions are going to keep going up, as is Amazon's so Prime, because people are so attached to them at this point. It is just hard to say no. I'm gonna uh, another one that some people are attached to, this one more on the indie artist level, Epic Games has acquired Bandcamp. Uh, John, Epic is interesting. We see them making acquisitions on the game development level, but also in like the... I mean, the game playing level, rather, like picking up game developers for people to play, but also on the d game development level, they've picked up, I think, that MetaHumans technology is under them, obviously Unreal Engine, Bandcamp, more on the musician side now. Uh, we've seen it in Fortnite, where they start integrating more events and concerts, and it feels like Epic Games is almost becoming like that 100 Thieves type of brand, that lifestyle brand of gaming as they continue forward with these acquisitions. I actually really like that comparison. With with hundred thieves, I, I I like that. That that makes a whole. That makes way too much sense in my opinion. Um, well done, Joey. You you actually, 
Wow. I know. I like that I get the actually. Like, you don't agree wow. with me most times. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, no, that's just, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm I'm proud of you, Joey. That was good. Thank you. That was well done. Virtual Thank hug. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is interesting, though. I kind of like the move. Uh, I don't know. I feel like some artists are upset about this move, but overall, Epic Games has a lot of funding. You do run into that piece with like Tencent being involved in some of these other bigger companies that people are maybe not as much a fan of. But overall, the funding is there behind Epic. They already have so many integrations. Now you can integrate maybe indie music into Fortnite somehow and get some more recognition for those artists. Uh, maybe there's some kind of creator code thing that they can bring into this as well. Maybe they can license tracks for something to do with the store or games being developed within that engine. I just feel like there's a lot of integration that could happen here as well. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, next up, I think is super well-deserved, whether you're a fan of Xbox or not. Phil Spencer has received the AIAS Lifetime Achievement Award at the DICE Awards. I don't have the number in front of me, but I think there's only been like 10 people that have received this so far. Uh, Phil being one of those big drivers in the industry. You look at stuff like backwards compatibility. Phil was a huge driver in that. Uh, you look at a few other things within it. Games as a service, not as much, but services that provide games like Game Pass, he's been a huge factor behind. Uh, you look at some of the other quality of life things that he's brought to Xbox and to gaming in general. Uh, accessibility, you're seeing more and more Xbox games with stuff like sign language, with stuff like hard of hearing impaired ways to work around that. Uh, there's just so many new technologies that I don't even know the names of or how it all works, but he's done a really good job in that area as well, pushing that forward. The Xbox Adaptive Controller, another great example of that. Um, par parental controls. Uh, maybe our gamers that listen to this might not be as big of a fan of those, but it is another cool innovation in the industry. So I think this is great seeing Phil get the acknowledgement here. Ton Howard uh, over at Bethesda gave the intro speech to the award and then handed the award to Phil. And then Phil also gave an acceptance speech there. Definitely worth checking both of those out overall. Um, but yeah, I think Phil is great, John, and I think you would agree with me. I think one of the cool things about Phil in general that a lot of people like is the fact that he's a gamer in this high-level position. It's not just someone with corporate speak. This is a guy who is logging in and playing Destiny to do dailies on his re regular work trips. This is a guy who's actually playing these new indie games coming to Game Pass. So he's actually diving in. You can look at his profile on Xbox. Uh, I, he even plays with gamers. Like Some people are like, oh, he has other people play for him. He jumps into random parties with people and he tries to get advice from them and different opinions and play alongside them. So I love the fact that Phil is just so down to earth and it's crazy to see someone who is running the product of gaming get that high up. And I think just him winning this award is another acknowledgement to that. See, kids, this is how you take what Joey just said about parental controls and you flip the script real quick. <laughs> right. So when when mom and dad come over here and tell you, hey, Timmy, it's time for you to do your homework, you respond with. Why? I need to play video games so I can become the next CEO of, of, of Xbox. Like, th that's exactly how this works. Like, I, I can't become a CEO of a major corporation if I don't play video games. Like, it worked for Phil. It can work for me, too. That's how you flip the script, kids. I love it. Flipping the script <laughs> here with fiasco, causing a fiasco. Uh, but yeah, overall, nah. I think he's super well-deserving. I think you agree on that as well. So if you guys want to check those out, Ton Howard's intro speech should be available on, I would think, on YouTube and all those platforms. Phil's acceptance speech probably as well. Over to our good friend Gabe Newell at Steam. He has come out in an interview with PC Gamer saying that Valve is more than happy to help Microsoft integrate Xbox Game Pass into Steam. Uh, this is something John and I have talked about on the show before. 
Overall, the PC Xbox app, uh, it has its pluses, but it also has many minuses, including the slow download speed, uh, the harder ability to kind of move around in your catalog versus something that's more tried and true like Steam. There's faster download speeds. It's easier to work around your calendar or your catalog rather. Uh, your backlog. There's tons of different marketplaces. There's a lot of developers over on Steam. It's very user-friendly. So overall, more people say, hey, I would love to subscribe to Game Pass, but I want it in a place I'm already gaming. We've already seen this with Epic Games as well, John. A lot of gamers will prefer to wait out games launching on the Epic Game Store just to wait for them to eventually make their way to Steam. I think it's similar here. If Game Pass were to go into Steam, Sure, Microsoft is going to lose some money from transactions made on the Microsoft Store, but overall, I'm personally of the mindset that I think they make more money from more people subscribing that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Xbox PC app sucks. For lack of better terms, it is hot, hot, <laughs> super hot garbage. Um, and, and that's probably still putting it lightly. Uh, overall, the, the concept is good. The layout is okay, but at the end of the day, Steam just has it fine-tuned, and everyone's already familiar with Steam who plays on PC. Uh, Steam is like the golden standard. You know, you know, Epic Games came around and launched their store, and yeah, it's good. It's a little bit fancier. It's a little bit more flashier, but at the end of the day, like Steam is just tested, and it works. Xbox, get on Steam. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to PC gamers out there also find a way to make it happen well and it's one of those things and i think console gamers can relate to this as well if you're buying tons of games for a playstation for an xbox and now with backwards compatibility kind of being in the mix you're going to feel more in tune to stay on that same platform you already own this whole library of games for that platform you're not going to want to switch and either rebuy those third-party games or have to worry about getting all these new games when you have those other ones that you could play Last generation, it wasn't as big of a deal because backwards compatibility wasn't as strong of a thing. Now, with it being a thing on Xbox especially, but becoming a thing on PlayStation as well, I think it's going to root more gamers into those platforms a little bit more for those with growing collections. Same thing with Steam here. Epic Game Store came around. Sure, I'm going to go over there and pick up my free games, but if I'm going to buy a game, my bigger library is already on Steam, so I'm going to trend to go that way. Not to mention all the stuff you mentioned, John. The app is uh, not as easily accessible. It's not as easily usable when it comes to the Xbox app on PC. Over on Steam, rather, I'm very associated with it. I know how it works. My collection's already there. So I really think this would be a big win overall for Microsoft. Now, they're a big company. They're a smart company. They're going to run the numbers and see what they would lose in doing something like this or at least project it out. Do we eventually see it happening? I personally think it will. Uh, I think one of the things that kind of leans us in this direction is the fact that they're retiring and sunsetting the Bethesda launcher on PC. And instead of moving that to the Windows Store, they're moving it to Steam. Uh, that, to me, kind of shows this is probably the direction we'll see them trend. Next up, along with a few smaller content updates through various Pokemon games, you get some little Pokemon Cafe mixed in there, some Diamond and Pearl mixed in there. I, I don't know. If, I think it's Diamond and Pearl. Uh, whatever the one last November was, a little Pokemon Arceus stuff going on. And then we got our first look from the Pokemon Presents of the next mainline Pokemon games. This is Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. We do have a little trailer to play here. Uh, hopefully Nintendo won't uh, DMCA us or anything like that. Uh, but John, this is going to be set in a more open world feeling Pokemon game compared to the traditional games. Supposedly the gyms are going to be a little bit more out in the world as opposed to like a loading screen separating them in the wild. So a little bit more of that open world aspect that we did start to see in Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, this one is currently set to arrive in late 2022 on the Nintendo Switch. 
So Pokemon are going into real-world locations and poor security guards have to figure out why Pikachu is in the gym at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting trailer. Um, <laughs> eventually, he's going to open this door. We're going to get a nice little look at the new games here eventually, I think. I'm about to skip yeah, ahead. Yeah, please, please trailer. skip ahead. Okay, because this is... This is pay. Hey, look at that. Yeah, it look is at long. That's the Pokemon we all know. It's a long love. trailer. The graphics still lacking. Um, you see some popping happening there as well. Unfortunately, it seems like the last couple of Pokemon games have really struggled when it comes to graphics. But I do like the fact we're moving toward more of an open world Pokemon. Uh, I feel like people in the olden days really wanted that with Pokemon. They wanted more of that freedom, less of that load time, the ability to kind of move more and back and forth, at least since the Nintendo Switch came out. I don't think it was really much of a concern or thought when it was on Game Boy Color and all that back in the day. Um, but nowadays, open world's expected. We saw Nintendo do it really well with Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I think bringing more of it into Pokemon, Pokemon Legends RC is kind of introducing it a little bit more, uh, is fun. It's different. It's a new way to encounter Pokemon, a new way to kind of blend the world all together. Unfortunately, graphics still a little bit lacking in that blending, um, but the overall concept I do like quite a bit. Yeah, these graphics are rough. Yeah. Like, how do you screw up a 3D model this bad? It's like not even realistic. It's a cartoon. Yeah. How do you screw it up this bad? I mean, honestly, Animal Crossing, I think yeah. it, what it released two years ago, three years ago, looks better to me than what this currently looks like. 100%. 100%. I mean, this is... This is brutal. But it's okay. They threw in a real-life security guard here, or at least an actor looking like a real-life security guard to kind of build on to the graphic appeal, you know? And these are your oh, no, three are starters. These are your three starters? Yep. Yeah. Little grass cat that I can't remember the name of. Little fire croc that I also can't remember the name of. <laughs> and then little seagull boy duck. with a blue hat. <laughs> is it a seagull or a duck? Oh, that's a good question. Scarlet or violet? Joey, which one are you going to get? Scarlet I or violet? I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to get the one that looks best graphically. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not so you're passing on this generation yeah i don't know like i didn't get the last games in november uh maybe i eventually get these i feel like i want to wait to see what they actually come with like what is my enticement to go with scarlet over violet or vice versa uh color wise i lean toward violet but maybe scarlet will have pokemon or whatever exclusive to it that's a little bit more interesting uh in the end I love the idea of these going more open world. I love the idea of more open generation Pokemon stuff coming as well. But I'm just, I don't know. I just don't have a giant appeal for these two just yet. Anything else on the Pokemon, good sir? With all that money, I expect better graphics than Nintendo. I know. Get with it. Come on, Nintendo. They're popping these things out like Call of Duty, it feels like. But you're seeing the graphical Ooh. hit uh, because of that good old times. You do not want to be compared to that. Yikes. Uh, this next one's interesting. It's usually a piece of news that I would probably cut out, but because of who it is, it ended up getting included in here. Industry veterans and really industry shapers overall, Warren Spector and Paul Neurath of Other Side Entertainment are developing a new game described as an immersive simulation based on a completely new intellectual property. Uh, John's going to go ahead and pull up the image of the artwork they have released so far. Just one image of this really cool looking whale. Uh, Spectre was the main mind behind industry changing titles like System Shock and De Deus Ex. A lot of these coming with that like decision making that you see, uh, kind of stuff like Life is Strange would be coming from this, like some of the ideas behind that game. Uh, you look at other games like Mass Effect, where the decisions really impact the story, Bioshock, different games like that. A lot of those rooted from what we saw in Deus Ex and System Shock. So Spectre really being a giant industry leader in that sense. 
On top of that, one other quote, I expect an immersive world and engaging narrative that players will directly impart through their choices in playstyles. Again, pretty much what we just described. Uh, John, I know you love to dive into game art. I really find this piece fascinating. What are your thoughts on this crazy looking whale? Uh, I feel like the whale was infested by a Zerg. It does kind of um, have that feeling. And then the Protoss slapped armor on it. Uh, it it's very weird. Uh, it's abstract. I uh, would be curious to better understand what I'm looking at. Uh, I What actually catches my attention are the uh, avatars on top of the stingrays. Uh, I, I think mm. that's really cool off to the left side of the picture. I didn't even notice that the first time. Yeah, using them like uh, mounts or like underwater mounts. I think that's really cool. Um, th the whale is obviously the focal point, but there's a lot going on there that doesn't make quite a lot of sense without additional context. So overall, I think that looks cool. It, it is a concept art. We'll see how this actually translates into... 3D modeling and rendering. Uh, I'll, I'll be kind of curious to see about that, but actually my attention is more drawn to those stingrays off to the side or mana rays. Okay, so with these mana rays and stingrays in mind, but with people on top of them, I got to ask, do you think this is taking place underwater or in the air? I don't know the well, answer. I'm just curious. So it could be both. Uh, I could totally see them saying that because uh, it looks like the second person in the, in the background on the left side on the Stingray has the same kind of blue um, growth, if you will, that the whale has. Mm -hmm. So to me, that could be like a water pot or something that's helping provide them oxygen because uh, obviously underwater creatures use water to get their oxygen, and it's more like a, a oxygen you know, carbon dioxide, like recycling thing, but above land uh, and causes them to stay alive, but they still have that water version of, of breathing, if you will. Um, I could totally see that as well. Um, part of me wants to say underwater just because of the landmass is very typical of what land looks like underwater. You typically don't see uh, coral formations uh, that are colorful above water. Uh, usually they are uh, damaged or they're not as colorful um, and the grass isn't as green because, again, all these creatures underwater get their air and oxygen food supply through water. So that would tell me it's underwater. But, again, anything's possible in video games. No, I love that breakdown. I think you did a really good job just trying to <laughs> think of different ways to make that happen. Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, I think I'm it's going to be underwater <laughs> as well. For me, the land mass is also the kind of giving away factor per se. Um, but yeah, I think it looks fascinating. I love the idea. And again, just the games they've worked on in the past, I think have really been industry shaping games. And I'm curious to see if this one also has that impact moving forward. Next up on our list is the Twisted Metal TV series. We had this one rumored, I think uh, it's been a couple months now since we first talked about it. Now we have more information. It is real. And it's going to be starring Anthony Mackie, which many of you guys know from Marvel movies. He is coming over and it will be on Peacock as far as the show goes. John, this is one, I was never a big, like, Twisted Metal fan. I liked the idea of it, but I never really played the series, at least to my knowledge. So I am curious about this one, but I don't have too much input on it before seeing a trailer. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the, of the game series. I know a lot of people are. It's completely fine. Whatever gamers enjoy, that's completely cool with me. 
Um, I might check out because Anthony Mackie's in it, but it's not one that if I didn't already have a Peacock subscription, this would not make me mm. get it. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. This is not uh, an, an all-star home run. Hey, let me sign up for Peacock right now because Twisted Metal showing up as a TV series. Um, I'll check it out, but I'm, again, I, I'm kind of like you. I get very skeptical when video games come to TV or come to the silver or, or come to like a, a movie screen, right. uh, just because like they've been so bad for so long. Obviously, Arcane's kind of given me a little hope, but uh, at the same time, it just feels like this is the popular move in Hollywood right now is trying to adapt video games for streaming services or for movies. Um, so I'm I'm hesitant, but landing somebody like Anthony Mackie gives me hope a little bit. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, as you said, it, we both have that anxiety when it comes to movies or video games rather being adapted to movie or TV. And there's so many out there. Like we're going to see so many more coming. The Last of Us is very high on my list. Uh, I think the Fallout series could be really interesting, Elder Scrolls as well. So if I had to pick and choose, Twisted Metal would probably not be in my top five of ones that I'm super excited for. With that being said, as you said as well, Anthony Mackie coming, that is a big name, uh, someone who's pretty well known, kind of like we saw with Tom Holland over in Uncharted. You're pulling in these big name actors and actresses that is alone going to bring attention to the series. Do I think it's going to go well in Twisted Metal? I could see him fitting into certain things, again, from my limited knowledge of the game in the series. But overall, I mean, it's just one of those classic old-time games. I think it was like 1995 or 6 it was on PlayStation, the original. So it's been around for years, 20-plus years at this point. Uh, I think as we see it continue to be adapted, we'll have to see how popular it becomes as it moves forward into kind of this new generation, per se, uh, of Twisted Metal and that IP. Next up is another video game movie. Again, not much to say on this one. We just want to mention it. Uh, I think we mentioned it years ago that there's a Gears of War movie in development based on a comment from Rod Ferguson, who is the head of the studio at the time. Uh, now, in most recent, the producer of The Batman, the movie that just came out this week, Dylan Clark, has given some light on the upcoming Gears of War movie. One, it's still alive. We weren't really sure if it was still alive. We thought it could have been killed off. Uh, but he comes out in a quote, I believe, via the digital fix here is the uh, place that wrote up the article on the quote. It's been a passion of mine for a very long time. I think very soon there will be an announcement. So overall, it sounds like we will eventually get some kind of announcement on this Gears of War movie. Uh, we've seen multiple people come out in the past, John, wanting to be actors in it. Uh, I believe The Rock is one that a lot of people have favored in that role. Dave Bautista is another one that a lot of people have kind of casted in the Gears of War limelight. Now, whether one of them becomes Marcus, we really don't know. Uh, they could also fit into some of these other roles. And then the other question that always comes out with video game adaptations, do you go off what the game had? Because the Gears of War story in game is phenomenal, but how many people want to watch the exact same story be told? Or do you kind of spin it off, but then you can, in a sense, piss off the fan base or bring in a whole lot of new fans? So it's always very risky in Gears of War also being kind of that like ultra-violent series, in a sense, with the gore level. Uh, I, I could see this one not doing very well at all, but with the the producer behind the Batman, as well as some of these other actors being thrown around, I feel like there's potential at least. You, you know what I want to see? For these studios that want to create TV adaptations of these games, instead of recreating in-game lore that has already happened that everyone's familiar with and possibly ticking off an entire fandom... Instead of trying to overly simplify an origin story 
of a game series that's been around for years or decades, why not work directly with that game studio to tell the next chapter of the next game? Why not have a movie or a TV series that explains the lore in between when Gears of War 1 ended? Let, let, let's say it's going it's after Gears of War 1 and we're going into Gears of War 2. Why not have a TV series that fills in those gaps leading up to the launch of Gears of War 2? That would be such a great way to do it because, one, you're not going to take off the fandom for rewriting anything. And two, they know you're working directly with the studio and they're going to get that fill in the gap, uh, you know, taken care of, of the lore of the story leading into that next game. So you don't have to like really pay attention to those first three, four missions and try to figure out and piece together what happened. You have a TV series. You have a movie. I think that would be a great way and a big win for everyone involved, the studio creating it, the studio for the game and for fans. If that's the if that's the direction they took is creating the lore leading up to the next game instead of trying to rewrite it or or oversimplify. I am 100% for that idea, John. Absolutely love it. And it's something we already see with books already. There's a lot of yes. games and a lot of movies that will use books to go in between them to kind of fill those gaps. Why not switch it up here and there? Sure, you can do two or three books too, but throw a series in there too. And maybe they can kind of align with the books or maybe you do books between one and then a series between the others. But like you said, that'll keep you on the same timeline. One, you're not redoing the actual story so that people aren't kind of getting the same story replicated uh, or that they're pissed off that certain things change. And two, you're not going off of that timeline and creating something different like we're seeing with like the Halo series and some of these other series where maybe the actors don't line up as well or the voices we recognize from the games don't align uh, or you go off this timeline where maybe something has changed and it's just it'll kind of irritate fans that are so enthralled with that series. So overall, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that's a great idea, John. I absolutely love it. There are so many games that run in serial format. Uh, Halo is one that we've just mentioned here. Gears of War, another one that you could easily, sure, you could still do a book or two to get those sales, but throw a series in there. Make that your TV series or your movie. Allow something to kind of bridge that gap where you stay on the same timeline. You still engage the fans, but also bring in new fans as well. Absolutely love it, sir. So to put this in perspective, Blizzard's uh, end of... Well, semi end of raid video right now for for patch nine point mm. two. While there's not an official video for it because it's technically an in game cinematic, based on the people who screen capped it and upload it to YouTube, if you if you collect the five most viewed versions of that video, well over a million views already, and it's been out for not even a week. Mm. It's been it was been out since Tuesday. Uh, that's pretty impressive. That's what people want. Yeah, you can make an argument, okay, it was only a three, four-minute clip, but if imagine if the people that made the Warcraft movie did that and they expanded the lore instead of trying to retell the orc invasion of Azeroth and do a horrific job at it and piss a lot of people yep. off, people would love the movie. People would really enjoy it. I, I, I think it's a really cool idea, and by all means, if... You're a movie studio or a game studio, and you're listening to this idea. Take it and run with it, please. You don't even have to give me credit. It's completely fine. It's fine. It's fine. Royalties would be cool, though. 
I mean, I think it's a great idea. And it's the same thing with like DLC, like Gears of War in that same line yeah. of that series. They had a phenomenal Hive Busters DLC. There was no Marcus. There was no Kate, no Baird. It was completely new characters, but it was a great story. It was a little cut story. It still took place in the same world. It still had the same lore involved, but there's none of the main characters that you know, really, except for like one cameo or two here and there. And it was just really good. It was fun for fans of Gears of War. It was fun for fans who were not even fans of Gears of War just because of how graphically well done it was. And it brought people into the series. And then you saw more people playing through 1, 2, and 3. And I think something like that could be really cool too. Like you said, expand the lore. Even if it doesn't include the main characters, spin it off. Give us new characters or give us one character and then give us more of the story behind that character. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool things that could be done in that vein. Next up in the notes, new Game Pass editions, guys. Just to run through these, you can check out more on news.xbox.com. But March 1st, we have Far Changing Tides. This one dropped. It's coming to console, uh, PC, as well as cloud. Uh, this is a big new release. It's an indie title. It got an 80-plus review score, so pretty high scoring for uh, what we generally see with a lot of the indie titles coming out today, as well as Microsoft Flight Sim coming to cloud. So you can also play that there on your Xbox One consoles uh, or on your mobile devices on the go as of March 1st, so just recently. And then today, March 3rd, uh, Final Fantasy fans, Lightning Returns is making its way to console plus PC. That is now available. And then next week on March 10th, you get the last load of the first half of March. And John, this is a big one. We have Kentucky Round Zero coming in. Uh, a lot of people, big fans of this game, looking forward to this one as an indie title. Then you have Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. This is probably the biggest title coming in the first half of the month of March. Uh, a lot of people had this high on their Game of the Year list. It won a number of awards at a multiple awards shows, including Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards. Uh, this one coming to Game Pass already just a couple months after launch. Uh, I think it launched in October. So that puts us at what, like the six-month-ish window? Something around there, right around six months? Uh, so Game Pass subscribers now get the option to play that on console, PC, as well as on cloud. And then last but not least, John's favorite game, Lawn Mowing Simulator. Not only can he play on his Xbox Series X, the cloud, and PC, he can now play on his Xbox One as well uh, if he goes to pick one up at GameStop. So Lawn Mowing Sim now available pretty much everywhere in the Xbox ecosystem. Hop on that virtual John Deere. Let's go mowing. Yoo Absolutely love it. On top of that, we did get some updates to the PC app and some new perks here and there as well. For those, go check them out. Again, Xbox Game Pass, great subscription service. Highly recommend. And you got some new titles to play here in March. Over to new games launching, John. Gran Turismo 7. I know you and I have both played some of the older games in this series. Uh, really fun racer on PlayStation. It's had some up and down years, especially down in recent times. This one looks like it's scoring quite well. Uh, there has been some, uh, some criticism of the menus, like the UI for the menus. There's been some criticism as far as some reflection stuff goes, and there's been some criticism uh, overall as far as the spectators and the looks, which seems to be an issue in many different games nowadays. Uh, but overall, scoring very well. It pulled in an 88 on Metacritic as well as an 88 on OpenCritic. Uh, there is a little bit of negative news here as well, though. A review copy was not sent to Australian publication Steve Viver. Steve Viver. Uh, I don't really know how to pronounce that one. Um, but the biggest thing here is they came out, they didn't give a great review to Horizon Forbidden West. A lot of other publications did. Steve Aver, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, came out and gave it a pretty poor score. So Sony said, hey, if you're going to score our games poorly, you're not going to get a copy of this next one. So they did not send him a copy of Gran Turismo 7. Uh, as a journalist myself and John Yu as well, I'm not a big fan of this move by Sony. I get it. You don't want negative reviews. 
But for someone who's given a lot of your games positive reviews and someone who's reviewed your games for, I feel like it's been seven to 10 years that this uh, publication has been reviewing Sony games and pretty well at that. Uh, I feel like this is kind of a cold shoulder move and kind of a dirty one by Sony. Yeah, it's essentially review manipula uh, manipulation. Uh, you're saying that you only will give advanced copies of games to studios that have a track record of liking your product. Um, that's part of consumerism is hearing the good along with the bad. Uh, Joey, part of my big boy job is to go over the reviews that my company gets for my location um, on uh, different social media platforms as well as Google and all the other fun stuff. Uh, if I was to uh, just weed out all the three, two, and one star reviews, I'd probably be fired. Um, and rightfully so. Like, you have the right as a consumer to give your honest feedback. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is Sony just getting upset that people are giving their honest reviews. Look, uh, movie critics are a prime example. And just because a movie critic hates a movie doesn't mean you're going to hate a movie. They're giving their honest opinion based upon what they like and what they expect to see from a certain person. Just like I can say, okay, cool, that's great. I appreciate it, 83-year-old man who's been given rev movie reviews, such Charlie Chaplin was doing silent films back in the <laughs> 1920s. That's completely cool. I, on the other hand, really like this actor or actress, and I like their style, and I like the story they're going to tell. So I'm still going to go see the movie, and I'm going to enjoy myself doing it. I, I think Sony is, quite frankly, being really petty and childish by not giving advanced copies to reviewers that may have not given them a a good score in Sony's eyes. I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing with Elden Ring. Like, that is a game that is not going to be for everyone. It's come out, and some people are calling it the easy game of the year. Other people are calling it the best game in a decade. And then you have other people who are like, I got introduced to a boss as soon as I walked out the door, and I got demolished 23 times, and I hated this game. So you're going to get that. Different people are going to have different styles. Different people are going to prefer different genres. Uh, I think this is a dirty move by Sony not allowing them to have a copy, and I hope they do include them once again in their next game releases but overall if you are a fan of racing games if you are a fan of Gran Turismo uh, oh, this one seems to have landed pretty well unless you're going to be spending your time looking at the crowd's faces uh, or navigating the menu for hours it seems like those are the biggest critiques so as a racing game person I don't think I would spend many times doing that I think I would be more on the track and customizing cars and all that goodness and it seems like Gran Turismo 7 does deliver in those areas so definitely go check it out Additionally, releasing tomorrow, Triangle Strategy, another game coming from Square Enix. That one dropping on the Nintendo Switch, not scoring quite as high as GT7. This one coming in at an 83 on Metacritic and an 81 on OpenCritic. As John said earlier, critic scores only mean so much, so feel free to read their views, but also go judge them for yourselves. Both these games dropping tomorrow, Triangle Strategy on Switch and Gran Turismo 7 on PS4 and PS5. Next up, and just to give you a heads up on some upcoming stuff, one of the bigger games to drop here in March, coming later this month after the Gran Turismo launch, is going to be Kirby and the Forgotten Land. It is coming to Nintendo Switch. It kind of looks like a Kirby game thrown into the Mario world. It's got a little bit of that Mario Galaxy feel to it. We do have a trailer we can run as well. Uh, Kirby's interesting. It seems like he is a character, and we know this from Smash, that he sucks in different things and forms himself and gains different abilities based on what he sucks in. Uh, this game takes that to a whole nother level, John. I mean, he's sucking in like cars and billboards and staircases and all different crazy things going on here for our little pink friend. 
This game looks cool. I think it looks fun. The trailer for me uh, introduced a little bit of shaky stuff going on. Like there looked like some stuttering and things. That does make me a little bit nervous uh, as far as the capabilities of the game in certain sections. But overall, I think it looks fun. I think it looks interesting. I think it's a fun Mario-esque unique take on Kirby. So I think this one will be a hit. Yeah, I I still can't get over the fact that he can like inhale cars and become <laughs> like a Kirby car. I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to look forward to. So if you guys are on Nintendo Switch, I highly recommend checking that one out later this month, uh, at least giving an eye on those reviews when they drop Kirby in the Forgotten Land later in March. Next up on upcoming in April, April 7th to be exact, the BAFTA Game Awards show will be happening. This is one of the highest regarded shows for those in the industry. The Game Awards, very high. DICE, the one that Phil Spencer got his award at, is very high. And I would argue BAFTA is probably that number three up in that area as far as highly regarded award shows, at least among critics. So if you guys are interested in that, you can vote for the game of the year. We won't go through all the nominees for the sake of the time of the show, um, but there are some really good ones overall. To give you guys an idea at least of who is up there for game of the year, it is going to be Chicory, a colorful tale, a nice indie game there, Deathloop, The Forgotten City, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, and Unpacking. Those are the six games up for nomination. I don't know the cutoff date on this. I know a lot of game, like the stuff from last year, I think it was the Golden Joystick and um, the Game Awards, both of them cut off around mid-November. So I don't know if that's the case here, and you won't see games like Halo Infinite, for example, uh, or if that does extend past this for this Game Awards. We'll have to go look into that one for you guys. But overall, coming April 7th, get your votes in before then. Okay, John, we made it through the gaming section. We don't have too, too much more to touch on in today's show, but we are going to slide into a little bit of esports. Again, it's been a little bit lighter on that side as well. But to kick things off, the NBA 2K League draft happened this last week. John, we got to watch our boys WizDG do some solid drafting. Uh, one pick surprised us both, though. Give us a little lowdown on what the NBA 2K draft brought to the table. Yeah, so uh, number one overall for Gen G Tigers, they selected Gallo. Uh, Jaden Frank is his IRL name. Uh, number one overall, so big congratulations to Gallo for joining Gen G. Gen G making a big splash in this draft as well, uh, trading their way all the way up. Uh, I thought it was really cool. They also made some other trades to position themselves quite well. Uh, the defending champs taking Ty at the 22nd pick in the first round. Uh, trying to replace JBM, you're not really going to re be able to replace JBM. We talked with head coach uh, Pat Crossan on Game on DC about that. And it's really not trying to replace JBM as it is to uh, kind of adapt to a new play style and playing to the current strengths of your roster, which sounds like is going to be defense. Uh, Ty is a nice combo guard, can both play both the one and the two position. But Joey, a couple surprises here also. Uh, Ant Season, a, a veteran who's been in the league for quite a while, uh, El was not retained uh, by his team in Season 4. Dropping all the way down to the 34th pick in round two, uh, going to Kingsguard Gaming. That was a little bit of a shocker for a lot of people out there as well. But probably the biggest head-scratcher. Joey, if, if you were one of the 23 other teams not named Wizards District Gaming, and you just had to watch WizDG go back-to-back -back winning your league championship two years in a row, and they had a guy who was very instrumental in that back-to-back -back championship run available in the draft pool who can play the point or the shooting guard. Would you allow him to go back to the defendant for to the defending champions 
at the at the forty three overall forty third overall pick in the second round. Uh, John, that is a heck no, good sir. Yeah, well, that's what the league did. Uh, for some reason, the twenty three other teams, in their infinite wisdom, said, "Hey, we're going to let B Rich go back to Washington D.C. for the chance at the three peat with the solid core of Dayfry, Nudini, and just awkward." And now joining alongside Ty, who's averaging close to 25 points a game in the combine, leading up to being drafted in the first round. Um, NBA 2K League teams, I don't know what you're doing, uh, but WizDG automatically a top three team in the East for contention and has to be talked about in the championship run again, even with the format change of the season. WizDG's here, and they have a chance to three-peat. Yeah, absolutely. The format chain is going to be interesting. JBM, as we talk with Pat Crossan on Game on DC, he's irreplaceable, and that's something they know going into this. They're not going to say, hey, Ty, you have to fill his shoes. They're going to come in and switch some things around. They're going to develop their style around the players they do have on the roster this year, and I think that's a good move. Uh, a lot of other teams in the past, not just necessarily the NBA 2K League, but really sports and esports in general, when you see a big-name player leave, they're like, who can we fill the shoes with? Can we put two wide receivers out there to cover for this elite wide receiver missing or vice versa? In this, you don't really have that flexibility. You're going to have five players. You don't even have a sub this year. So WizDG making changes, knowing there's a 3v3 and a 5v5 format, who can they fill in these roles the best? They have a great core coming in. Uh, they were able to retain three of their core players from the last season. On top of that, B-Ranch returning. Uh, B-Ranch coming back is insane to me. Uh, I thought it would be a possibility, but I did not think he would be there this late into the draft, especially uh, not only the skill level that he provides, but the experience he brings to the table as well. Being on a championship team for two seasons, he knows a lot of the mentality that goes on, a lot of the preparations that go on. Uh, he is so much even beyond the virtual court at this point in terms of knowledge. It's crazy to me to see him come back, and that's a vulnerability that WizDG left out in the draft that now they're able to retain and kind of allow that knowledge to stay in-house. So really good stuff there coming from WizDG. Very excited to see how that continues on. The NBA 2K League draft is done, though, and the next thing on the list, at least to my knowledge, John, is going to be the start of the season, correct? Uh, yes, which is going to be a 3v3 tournament, uh, remote play for qualification. Amateur teams are eligible as well. It's going to culminate in a 3v3 championship in the capital of the Hoosier State. That, of course, is Indianapolis. Beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, tucked tightly between two cornfields. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll keep an eye on that cornfield. Get your popcorn ready, folks, because that one is coming later on. Uh, on top of that, this next one, not necessarily related directly to the NBA 2K League with this piece of news, but it does come directly out of the NBA 2K League, and that is with Bradford Ross, the league operations lead of the NBA 2K League, picking up his ball and heading to another court, John. He's leaving the NBA 2K League and taking up the same role within the Overwatch League. Uh, the Overwatch League is a tumultuous league. We've seen it go through a lot of different changes from higher-ups to format changes to team changes to player changes. Uh, it feels like it's been through a lot in recent years similar to what we saw at the NBA 2K League they've gone through their own format changes as well uh, Brad is going to be coming over he does have experience with the title though he was a former Overwatch pro he went by the tag PR uh, on top of that he competed with Splice he coached as well with Houston Outlaws Academy team he started his own org uh, he's been around the Overwatch scene more than the NBA 2K scene so I think the fact that he's coming in with prior game knowledge coming in with prior coaching experience player experience 
And then obviously league experience from the NBA 2K League, uh, given its pros and cons that we saw throughout its time. I think Brad brings a wealth of experience to the table, and I'm excited to see what he does within the Overwatch League in this new position. Anything else you want to say on Brad and that transition over to the Overwatch League? Uh, I think that's a bigger win for the Overwatch League than anything. Yeah. Uh, he's done quite a bit for the 2K League. Uh, he talked a little bit about it on his uh, uh, tweet thread that he had going on Twitter. Uh, and he, he had a big hand in helping uh, adapt that league to remote play during the pandemic, during like the early days of the pandemic. Um, so he's someone who's very capable, and I think that's what Overwatch League currently needs right now, uh, especially with all the drama of um, uh, Overwatch 2 and the almost beta-ish version the pros are going to get in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out soon uh, what that beta-ish version is going to play like. And this is one of the things I think, like going back to Phil Spencer with Xbox, he was a gamer and he's up at the top of that company. Uh, this is something similar where Bradford was a pro competing in the Overwatch scene. He was a head coach in that scene. So he knows the scene intimately. Sure, Overwatch 2 is going to be a different build of the game, a very different build of the game. But to know some of those pros on a different level, to have competed on that level, to have coached on that level, I feel like bringing in some of that endemic experience will definitely play into his role here as well. Last but not least on the notes for today is EVO 2022. John, Level Up Nation, there is an announcement coming. They're going to talk about their events. They're going to talk about some of the things to expect from EVO 2022. This announcement show is scheduled for March 8th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. But to give the heads up ahead of time, because they knew this is going to be a banger, uh, and not in a good way, they wanted to give everyone a heads up to not expect Smash Brothers news because Nintendo has chosen to pull Super Smash Brothers out from the event. Uh, John, this is something we've seen a lot. Nintendo uh, not really giving the... Uh, I mean, support in any way, it feels like. They've thrown some money here and there, but they don't really want to support the Super Smash Brothers esports scene for God knows what reason. Maybe they're trying to build their own. Maybe they have issues dealing with other people because it feels like they DMCA everyone. Nintendo is just Nintendo in its own way, and unfortunately for the Smash Brothers scene, that's ended up with a lot of negatives. Now, maybe one reason is because Evo was acquired by PlayStation, and maybe, I don't want to say there's bad blood there, but there is some competitive ties, so maybe that's one reason we see the change here. Um, but overall, it feels like another negative for that Smash scene, and this one coming from Big Daddy Nintendo once again. Yeah, it... This goes along with other Nintendo decisions that is just very weird, bad, just not good overall. Things like re-releasing game titles for this for uh, you know double the cost, uh, the remastered, released version kind of thing, or you know not allowing co-streaming of their Nintendo Direct uh, uh, presentations, which uh, I think honestly hurts them overall. Um, because people have their communities that they are that they like to be a part of and they like to share that with that community. Uh, but yet you want to force them to your channel and your channel only. So yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a long line of just bad decisions and their their inability to support a an eSports scene that is massive and not just here in the DMV area here in the nation's capital, but uh, all around the world, Smash Bros is a very popular title. And it's absolutely insane that Nintendo is completely fine with leaving all of this money on the table because they refuse to support a uh, an esports scene for this title. This title that has lasted forever and is played uh, mainly on a system that doesn't 
that, that's not being produced anymore. It's it, it's on a GameCube. Like, come on, give me a break. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, just the Nintendo support of Smash in general in the esports scene is just baffling to me. So, hopefully, as they move forward, something will be worked out. Whether it's Nintendo doing their own events, whether it's Nintendo actually signing an agreement with players and pro players, I just feel like something needs to be made there and to pull out of another big tournament this one being one of the biggest fighting game scenes out there uh in evo i just i think it's another bad look for nintendo And I think with that, John, I, we are ready to wrap up today's show. We cover quite a bit. Again, a little oh. bit of a lighter week here in terms of gaming and esports news, but still a lot to run down. I hope you guys all enjoyed this, and we will be back once again with more news here in the near future. All right, Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. Before you go, head on over to patreon.com slash OTN and consider becoming a part of the Overtime Network. In return, you will get access to exclusive content that nobody else in the world can get unless they are a part of OTM Media. If you haven't done so already, make sure you follow the show here on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, and anywhere else you can find an RSS feed for podcasts to look up the Level Up Podcast. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much. There's multiple ways you can reach out to us. Joey, what are those ways? Absolutely, Level Up Nation. We love you for listening, and we want to give you more ways to connect with us. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is L-V-L-U-P Live. In addition, you can follow the Umbrella Company, OTN Media, covering tons of gaming and esports news and other streams throughout the week. Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media, as well as Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow on Twitch as well. This show, Level Up Live, Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, as well as other streams throughout the week, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. All right, make sure you tune in next week on March 10th as we cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor, hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your listening and viewing pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. up.